This is a podcast for Functional Ecology, a British Ecological Society publication. Okay, um, I'm uh, Ken Thompson, one of the senior editors of Functional Ecology, and I'm talking to uh, Geisha Blumaveri, who is the lead author on a paper we published last year called Root phenology unresponsive to earlier snowmelt despite advanced above ground phenology in two subarctic plant communities. And Geisha's paper was highly commended in last year's competition um, to find the best paper in the journal by a young investigator. So, and I, I really enjoyed the paper and I'm really looking forward to talking to Geisha about it. So we'll we'll get on with that then. Um, Geisha, can I, can I, at the start, just ask you to tell me very quickly the background to this. What was the, what was the sort of question that you're trying to answer in this, in this paper? Yeah, sure. So uh, when we were, what we were really interested in is uh, to find out if an earlier snow melt uh, leads to an earlier root growth um, in different plant communities. And we know from, uh, from high latitude and high altitude systems that snowmelt is a really important driver of plant phenology in general. Um, but pretty much all the data that is that there is on, on snowmelt and phenology is above ground. So we know that it usually leads to an earlier green up or earlier flowering, but we really have no clue what is going on below ground. Um, and roots are really important in many ecosystem processes. And a lot of the plant biomass is below ground in, in high latitude systems. Uh, so we were really interested in finding out whether or not snowmelt or an earlier snowmelt actually affects root phenology. Okay, so this is this is tundra, obviously, and as you say, most of the biomass yeah. is below ground. Yeah. So in fact, if we only look above ground, we're missing most of what's going on. Exactly, yeah. So that's why we yeah. were really like, oh, we have to find out what's going on. And yeah. amazingly, there has been no research done before on this. So, I mean, obviously, there has been some research on just generally spring root phenology, yeah. but really to look at the influence of snowmelt has not been done. So you manipulated snowmelt, and I think you did that in a, quite a clever way, I think. Can you tell us? Yeah, we did it passively. So what we did was that we selected, uh, obviously, our plots the, the years before, and then uh, did a little uh, thing with a black uh, weed cloth. So this cloth that you sometimes find to prevent weeds from growing. Uh, and we put that on top of the snow surface, and then... Just by you know the sun warming up the black cloth, uh, the snow actually the snowmelt accelerates and the snow melts earlier than. Okay, so that's 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 really simple but really clever. I, when I read that, I thought you have to be careful when you do that, don't you? Because there must there must be a time earlier in the season, not much earlier, when if you remove the snow, things underneath actually get colder. Yeah, so that is a problem that we have with uh, snow manipulations because usually if you uh, try to have an earlier snowmelt, often what people do is to shovel away the snow, which of course is very effective um, and a lot more reliable in a way than this passive um, method that we use because if the sun is not shining, obviously the snowmelt is not accelerated by this black cloth. Um, yeah. So you really rely on, on sunny days for that. Um, but the problem yeah. that you sometimes have with the shoveling is that you actually... Like it's really hard to estimate when the snow would naturally melt. So even if you, you know, are at the site and you really <laughs> look at the weather and the weather forecast, it's still really hard to, to figure out when things will happen. So what can happen is that you are actually kind of too early and then the plants experience temperatures that are not really 
they would not have been there if the snow would have melted naturally. So yes. that's still really interesting, but you might get responses to actually early uh, frost uh, damage. Yes. Or something. So that's that's something that we wanted to avoid, which is why we did the passive. Uh, so passive snow melt is really good because in a sense, you're letting the environment tell you when is the right time. Exactly, yeah. But you always run the risk that, you know, if it's a very cloudy spring, that the acceleration is maybe not as Then it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then you and then you measured you measured root growth, and I think that was clever too. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so measuring root growth in general is very difficult because obviously you know things are hidden away in the soil, and you, you, it's very hard to observe. And many methods are destructive, and then you cannot really do it, um, kind of in a way that you that you want to do if you're interested in in patterns over time. Um, but what people have come up with are these uh, so-called mini rhizotrons, which are basically transparent tubes that you bury permanently into the soil. Um, and then after a while, if you leave the vegetation some time to recover, you can actually enter this tube with a camera and then take pictures of the tube soil interface. And of course, then you also take pictures of the roots. And by just kind of going back to the same spots again and again, you can very cleverly observe root growth um, in an undisturbed and in situ setting. Right. So this is quite new technology, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, people have been doing it for a long time that they kind of try to get some observation windows, for example. So, you know, digging a soil pit and then putting like a plastic surface and then covering it with something dark for most of the time and then tracking, you know, the root growth with a permanent marker or something. So some ways of this has happened around for a while, but it's getting more and more common. Um, and I think that is really great because we really get this view into when the roots are growing. So the root phenology really is something that I'm personally very interested in. And yeah. you can basically only get that with the mini rhizotron technology. Okay, so so what did you find? Uh, yeah, we were uh, quite surprised because we, I mean, our snow melt uh, was about, I think, nine days earlier in the manipulated plots. Um, and we also found high, higher soil temperatures in the earlier snow melt plots. So it really worked in the way that we intended to do and we expected then to have an earlier root growth because basically what happens is plants can photosynthesize earlier, they have their leaves earlier, they have their flowers earlier. Um, and so we expected that to just kind of translate into earlier root growth, especially, especially also because we found the higher soil temperatures. Uh, but we found no difference at all. Um, and we did that in two very, very different plant community types. And both of them showed the same pattern of no response. Right. Now, just one thing is that obviously above ground, you could monitor the growth of individual species. Yes. Below ground, it's just it's just roots, unidentified roots. Does exactly. That, does yeah. that matter? So sometimes. Is that a, is that a problem, basically? Um, yeah, well, it, it is a problem if you're interested in, in very species-specific responses. So if you really want to find out if one certain species advances their root growth biology, obviously you have to do it in a much more controlled setting in a monoculture. Um, but I think our focus really was on kind of the, the ecosystem response. Um, and for that, I, I don't think it matters much because obviously it can have happened that some species, you know, advanced their biology and others delayed <laughs> it. And so, you know, there was no net effect. Um, but... Well, first of all, I don't know if that's a very likely scenario, but then also if you're interested in, you know, how plants influence water and carbon and nutrient cycles, then it's maybe not that important if it's this one specific species that advances the okay. energy or not. And the surprising thing, I think, to me, um, was that you found that not only was root growth unaffected by manipulations, 
that it was actually earlier than shoot growth. Yeah, yeah, we were very surprised by that. We kind of expected it to be, I don't know, something like a week later or so. Um, because what we, I mean, what you usually assume is that as soon as the, the plants, as the snow melts, the plants kind of start their above ground growth and photosynthesis and then have enough carbon to supply that to root growth. Um, that is kind of the idea that I at least had when I went into the experiment. Um, but it seems that they really use stored reserves um, to invest into really early root growth. Um, and it might be that just the snow melt uh, period is kind of a time where there is often a relatively higher nutrient availability um, than during the summer. So it might just be that they try to get uh, to take advantage of that and just get their roots out as quickly as possible. So it seems to be that they are maybe even more important. But, than but have we here how the roots know when to start growing? Yeah, I, mean, I think that is one of the big questions that uh, we even... Yeah, leave open after the study that we do because um, generally what people assume is that you know higher soil temperatures for example or cues from the above ground plant parts really initiate root growth um, but that was not the case here in our study um, so yeah I'm <laughs> I'm a little bit puzzled by that too but of course some plants can sense um, you know when the snow if the snow thickness gets reduced to to a certain amount of centimeters then you actually have quite a bit of light coming through so it might be that there are some cues already from the light earlier in the season. But of course, that also only works if the plants are already there. So if you look at forbs or graminoids where there are no above-ground overwintering structures, then of course they don't know so, either. So, the, so for, the, so for the, the plants that are, that are totally just not there above ground during the winter, we really have no idea at all how the roots know yeah. when to start growing. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that... Yeah, is yeah. that looking forward? Is that is that the next big question, really? How how do how do plants actually know what time of year it is and when to start growing? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, and I think that the high latitude systems are a little bit different there than than the temperate systems, where we're kind of more used to maybe because most of us live in the temperate zone. Um, but you know, in temperate regions, we really have this very strong um, photoperiod cues because kind of plants know when to start because of the photo period very often at least um, but in high latitude systems you know once the snow melts the sun is usually up 24 hours so there is less of a of a cue there and of course the light quality kind of changes over the day but still uh, I think it is much less important than in temperate systems and I think there are a lot of questions still open and uh, I hope that our study kind of initiates more research into how how plants know when to start their growth right. and how really so just more evidence is, really that uh, plants are a lot cute. cleverer than we than we think <laughs> and and just yes, one final question so. <laughs> concerning about you really are you i know you've moved on from you know this was done in uh, a, near abisco yes exactly so that was done yeah. while i was uh, you, you've moved on now and you're in, in germany university in oh. um and now Exactly. And now I'm this, a postdoctoral researcher. Is, are these the kinds of things you're working on now, or are you doing something different? Uh, similar. So I'm still working with roots, um, and also still working with root phenology. Um, but uh, I've kind of moved to temperate wetlands for that. So uh, a little bit different setting, but still very okay. similar. Well, if you if you if you find something interesting, we we look forward to receiving a nice paper from you at, at Functional Ecology. Okay. It's been great talking to you. Thanks very much. Well, thank you. Yes, thanks so much for having me.